0: The year was 1967, and there was a young Chabad Hasid that had traveled from Australia to New York to spend the holiday of Shavuot with the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Brooklyn. And he came a few days before the holiday started. And just a short time before, the Rebbe had initiated the Tefillin campaign. You see, in Israel, it was before the Six-Day War, and Israelis weren't sure what was going to happen. As a matter of fact, some of them feared the worst, that they might actually lose the war. The Rebbe, wanting to tip the scale in the Jews' favor, inaugurated this tefillin campaign that Chabadnikim would go around the world encouraging Jewish men to put on tefillin. And the Rebbe quoted, The fear of the nations will be upon you, in order to justify this action. Because in ancient times, when the Jews would go to war, they wore their head tefillin, and it scared their enemies. So the Rebbe figured all of these Jews doing mitzvot would send fear into the hearts of our enemies and also tip the scales for Hashem to help Israel win the war. And so, when this young chassid showed up from Australia, everyone was going around putting tefillin on people. We're all used to it now, because Chabad Nakim had been doing it since 1967. But when it first started, they weren't really sure how to approach people, and what to do, where to go. And so there was a group of yeshiva students, who went to schools, hospitals, malls, wherever they knew that they would find Jewish men, and this young Australian Hasid decided one day he would join some of the local Hasidim on their Tefillin campaign. He'd never done this before, so he asked for some pointers from the other Hasidim. And they said, You know, you just find somebody and ask if they're Jewish, offer them the Tefillin, make sure you smile and be nice. So he said, Okay, I'm willing to give it a try. Now, it was already late morning and he hadn't eaten anything, so he went into the local mini market and grabbed a bunch of cookies and a box of Hamintashin. Now, Everybody knows that Shavuot is three months after Purim. So grabbing a box of Hamantaschen, he must have been pretty desperate. But there wasn't so much left in the mini market at that time. So when he jumped in the car with his friends and took out some of the cookies, they looked at the Hamantaschen and they said, Now? Erev Shavuot? Three months after Purim? Everything except for the Hamantaschen disappeared. But everyone was too scared to touch them, being three months old. Their destination was a big hospital in Manhattan. They started going from floor to floor, splitting up into different groups, and trying to put tefillin on as many Jewish men as they could. Some people agreed right away, others took a little bit of convincing, and when they were approaching the end of their time in the hospital, the Australian chassid and his partner went into another room, and this was a room that some of the other Hasidim had gone into. And One of the Jewish patients was willing to put on tefillin right away, but the other one became very upset. Not only did he not want to put on tefillin, he got angry at the chassidim, and he said to them, I am just as connected to God as you are, even if I don't keep mitzvot and put on tefillin. Now get out of my face! So when the Australian chassid and his friend said to the other chassidim, Why don't we give it a try? Maybe he'll be nicer this time. They said to him, You want to put on tefillin? And he was so angry. He said, I already told your friends, I'm not interested in tefillin. Don't think you're more superior than me, just because you wear a kippah and tzitzit and you put on tefillin. So he was an old man, a sick old man in a hospital bed. And obviously he knew what tefillin were. He knew what a kippah was, a yarmulka, and tzitziot. He probably grew up in a Jewish home. And they said to him, listen, it's probably been a long time since you put on tefillin. Now is a great time you're here in the hospital. Give Hashem a sign that you want to do mitzvot, and he'll have a good reason to let you live and be healthy. He wasn't interested. He just waved his hand and said, get out of here. So one of the young Hasidim they said to the old man, listen, got a little bit of grapes here. Take some grapes. Maybe at least say a blessing on the grapes. He turned his face to the wall and ignored them. Then he turned around and he said to them, You know what? You want to give me fruit? I'm not interested in fruit. I'll tell you what I'm interested in. Bring me a hamantaschen. And then I'll put on your tefillin. They couldn't believe it because they had this box of hamantaschen that the Australian Hasid had picked up in the mini market He didn't even know why he bought it. He didn't really imagine that anyone would eat it, but he figured that was all there was, so he would take it. So he says to the old man, wait here, don't go anywhere, I'll be right back. And he runs down the stairs, runs outside to the car, grabs the box of hamantaschen, and comes back to the room. And he says to the old man, if hamantaschen is what you need, then we'll get you some hamantaschen. And he says, oh yeah? Now you're going to get me hamantashen after Pesach? Who would have any hamantashen after Pesach? Because of course, all the chametz would be sold or thrown away or burned. But Somehow this box was still there. And here, the Australian Hasid presents the old man with a whole box of hamantashen. And there's a huge smile on his face. He's even laughing from it. <laughs> and the friends, the other Hasidim who had made fun of the Australian Hasid when he brought it to the car, they weren't making fun of him anymore. So they asked the old man to say a bracha. He said a bracha mezonot. He said it without needing any help at all. And he chewed on that hamantashin and enjoyed every second of eating it. And then he turned to the Hasidim and he said, Nu, no, wear the tefillin. And he put out his left arm to have the tefillin put on him. And they wrapped the tefillin and he could say the brachas without any problem. He said, all of Shma by heart. And afterwards, he started crying. And he said, I can't believe it. hamantashin after Pesach. Who would have thought? And he ate another one. And then, took off the tefillin, and he started to silently cry to himself, and the chassidim were crying with him. They never asked his story. They probably figured that he was a Holocaust survivor, and he had given up on God and religion since he felt like God had given up on him. But it didn't matter. They got him to put on the tefillin. They were happy. The old man was happy. And the whole way back to Crown Heights, they couldn't stop talking about it. How could it be that this chassid, without knowing it, bought this box of hamantashen and that's exactly what this old man needed to put on the tefillin. And after Shavuot was over and the young Australian chassid had spent his time in Crown Heights, he had a private audience with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he told him the whole story. And the Rebbe smiled and he said, No, if that's what it takes, let someone bring him hamantaschen every day. So you see, my sweetest friends, sometimes you don't understand why you're in a certain place at a certain time. And sometimes... We set impossible obstacles to test Hashem, whether you're the one who's being tested or you're the one who's testing. Just remember this story and know that Hashem is running the world. I've got another story for you. Whenever poor Jews would come to the Baal Shemtov asking for tzedakah, he would give them eighteen groschen, which is like eighteen pennies. And one day, the Schlepper comes to the house of the Baal Shemtov and he asks for five rubles. And the Gabe says to him, What do you mean five rubles? No one here gets five rubles. Everyone gets eighteen Groshen? He said, Well, I used to be a rich man. And you know the Halacha. Somebody who used to be rich, and now they're poor, they get more. The Gabe says, Listen, There's lots of rich people that are poor now. The Baal Shem Tov only gives 18 groschen to everyone. It doesn't matter. This schlepper, he got really angry. Starts cursing out the gabai. He's flipping tables. He's going crazy. The Baal Shem Tov comes out of his room. Says, what's going on here? What's going on? The schlepper looks at him. He says, I want five rubles. I used to be a wealthy man. The Baal Shem Tov says to him, you know, instead of asking for five rubles, why do not you ask why Hashem took your money away and made you a poor man? A schlepper said, what are you talking about? So the Baal Shem Tov said to the schlepper, come, sit down. Let's have a little conversation. He sits down. He says, no? So tell me, what happened to all my money? Baal Shem Tov says to him, remember, years ago, it was Yom Kippur. And you had a little box of shmek tabak, this fragrant tobacco that you would pass around and people would smell and it would raise their spirits. This fasting on Yom Kippur is so hard. And you walked around the shul going from one person to the next saying, here, you want a little shmek tabak. And people happily took from you. And you saw there was this one schlepper. And you felt it was beneath you to give him your shmechtabak. But the truth is that this Jew was so poor. For him, fasting on Yom Kippur was no big deal because he fasted all the time. But he had such a desire to smell your shmechtabak. He was sitting in the back of the shul waiting for you to come. And when you passed over him, his heart was so broken. He said, Hashem, you know I can handle my poverty. And I can handle needing to fast even when it's not Yom Kippur. But this wealthy Jew, he's got everything, and he won't even give me a sniff of his tobacco. Why did you do that to me, Hashem? Why don't you make me a wealthy man? And you'll see I'll know how to treat poor people. And so Hashem decided to take your wealth and give it to the schlepper and make you a schlepper. He said, that's what happened to your money. And that's why you're a schlepper right now. And the poor Jew, he's sitting there in shock. He says, hey, the good rabbi, what am I supposed to do now? The Baal Shem Tov said to him, it's very simple. You go to this Jew, he's here in Mezhibuz, and you ask him for some snuff. And if he says, no, then Hashem will reverse things and give you your money back. So the schlepper says, ah, no problem, that's easy. He goes into shul. He sees that this wealthy Jew is davening Shmonaisley. He goes over to him, he says, hey, I want some Shmechtabak. And even though you're not supposed to stop davening in the middle, this Jew stops for a second, takes the Shmechtabak box out of his pocket, and offers it to the poor Jew. So the schlepper says, okay, fine, I know where he lives. I'll go there at three in the morning. He knocks on the door at three in the morning. The wealthy Jew is sleeping. He's knocking and knocking and knocking. He doesn't care. He finally wakes up the wealthy Jew. (laughs) The wealthy Jew sees the schlepper, the same schlepper that had bothered him during Shemun Isley. He says, what do you want? You need something to eat? You want to come in? You need to sleep? The schlepper said, no. I need some schmeck tobacco, and I need it now. So the wealthy Jew went back into his house and he got his little box of snuff and offered it to the schlepper. The schlepper was frustrated he didn't know what to do. He wants his money back. He can't seem to find an opportunity where the wealthy Jew won't offer him the Shmech Then he hears that the wealthy Jew's daughter is getting married. He says, ah, this is my opportunity. In the middle of the mitzvah dance, when the father is dancing with the kala, the schlepper goes onto the dance floor and puts his foot on the foot of the father, the wealthy Jew. And the wealthy Jew looks at him and says, What do you want now? He said, I need some tabak." So the wealthy Jew stops the music, and he says, Here, and offers him a box of snuff. And the schlepper, realizing that he's never going to get his money back, and he can't win, he faints and passes out on the spot. When he comes to, the wedding is already over. And the wealthy Jew says to him, What's going on here? You bother me during Shmona'sli. You come to my house at three in the morning. You come now at my daughter's wedding during the mitzvah dance? What's wrong with you? He said, listen, I've been a poor man for a long time now, and I used to be the wealthiest man in town. The Baal Shem Tov said to me that my money went to you, and I want my money back. He said, the reason that I lost my money, because years ago, you were a schlepper, and you asked me for some Shmech Tabak, and I didn't give it to you. He said, if I can just find an opportunity when you won't give it to me, I'll get my money back. So give me my money back. And the wealthy Jew says, let's go to the Baal Shem Tov, and we'll ask him ourselves. The Baal Shem Tov says, it's true, that the money that I have once belonged to you, I will give you half of my money, but on one condition, that anytime a Jew asks for any favor, not just shmechtabak, you stop everything, and you help that Jew. And so, of course, they went to the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said it was true, and the schlepper became a wealthy man again. And he learned his lesson. Anytime anybody asked for help, he was there to help them. And he had a special gold box made for the tobacco. So that anyone that asked for a little bit of Shemek Tabak, he immediately stopped everything and gave it to him. You know, my sweetest friend, sometimes Hashem puts us through tests, and afterwards we learn our lesson, and we know how to treat other people better. But the lesson from this story is that you don't have to wait. When a fellow Jew asks for help, help them. Bezrat Hashem, when you ask for help, help will be there for you as well. Just like the Chassid in our story about the snuffbox and the Baal Shem Tov. Lay, lay,
1: lay, la 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 la
0: I want to thank the latest supporter of the podcast, Reb Daniel, who left me a comment on YouTube. Thank you very much for the comment. And thank you for your contribution. And thank you, everyone, for listening and contributing. It wouldn't be much of a podcast without you. I really appreciate you very much. If you'd like to become a contributor to this podcast by giving a financial contribution, you can do so by going to my website, HasidicStory.com, H-A-S-I-D-I-C-Story.com. And if you're not yet a contributor, and even if you are, make sure you share this podcast. Apparently, the podcast has become very popular in the United Arab Emirates, Canada, South Africa, Ireland, by you continuing to share this with your friends. And by the way, I see the numbers going up every week on how many people listen to the podcast and how many people subscribe. By you sharing the podcast, the audience grows. Bezat Hashem, more and more people will listen to it, and more and more people will enjoy the stories. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to sharing our next story together.